1: Uh, yeah, Jim, it's me, Darnell, I'm going a fool. Corey wants you, when you read these, uh, to read Be Happy. Smile, don't be angry, be happy, because he wants you to be happy. Oh, does Corey want me to be happy? If, even if I lose a bet? Let's say I put $1,000 on a game, I lose, I'm supposed to be happy? The world's not happy, Corey, all right? Suck it up there. Now I'm angry. All right, go ahead and just read the line and so remember, be happy. From South Bend, Indiana, it's Sports Yak. This is Jimmy Shorts. And now, here's your host, Let's Be Happy, Corey Mann. How was that? Was that happy enough? Let me do it again. From South Bend, Indiana, it's Sports Yak. This is Jimmy Shorts. Thank you, Studio DNA Podcast Network. Sports Yak is brought to you by Rabbit Wigs. Put that rabbit in a wig. Call for a fitting today. 574-RABBITS. Here's Chuck and Corey. What, what, are they don't use their last names now? They're, they're that popular, they just go Chuck and Corey? No, they're not that popular. Use your last names, guys, for a couple of years at least. And here's your host, Corey Mann, and Indiana Broadcast Hall of Famer, Chuck Freeby.
2: All right, into the weekend we go. Episode 88 of Sports Yak. It's the Alan Page episode. Go on. Probably the first time that we have honored a associate Supreme Court jurist. Uh, go ahead. Alan, of course, played at the University of Notre Dame, was a member of the 1966 National Championship team, number one. First-round draft pick, I should say, of the Minnesota Vikings in 1967. Went on to play, I believe, about 15 seasons in the NFL. Most of them with the Vikings as a member of that defensive line known as the Purple People Eaters. Also played, uh, closed out his career with three or four years with the Bears. And then for the last, I don't know, about 25 years, has been a justice on the Minnesota Supreme Court.
0: I don't know that I've heard that song in 40 years, but did it go like this? She was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater? Yes. Or he was a? Was it a she?
2: She was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. (laughs) That's the way it went. I'm not sure of the gender of a a purple people
0: But You can email the Sports Jack and let us know. By the numbers, by the numbers, as of the month of April, I know we got a couple days
2: left next week. How many days do we have left? Well, today is the 26th. Okay. So we would have uh, one episode left this month on Monday the 29th. We are
0: celebrating 1,107 downloads in the month of April. That's nice. Congratulations, Chuck Freebie. Compared to, I have another podcast called What Else? It's just once a week. I'm going to celebrate 676 downloads in April. That's pretty good. Had some big names in April. We had Big Daddy Weave, Matthew West, Matt Marr, uh, Jason Roy from Building 429, and if I can get it done today, uh, Jason Gray uh, will be this Monday's episode. Top 10 cities listening to the Sports Yak. Go ahead. In at number 10, Niles, Michigan. Love the city of four flags. Number 9, Goshen. The Maple City. Number 8, Springboro, Ohio. Springboro. Hello. Warsaw in a number seven.
2: Oh, Lake City. Slipping to number six, South Bend. Mm-hmm. Come on, pick it up, South Bend. I know, I know you're consumed with presidential campaign fever and the fact that the lime bikes are changing over to lime scooters, but please step it up. In a number five, San Jose, California. Hello.
0: In a number four, steady as she goes, Chicago on the list. The Windy City. In a number three, the city with a heart. Oh, the city, the rocks, the city that never stops.
2: Elkhart, Indiana, hello. The Gated Community in a number oh, two. Oh, you know they love us up in the Gated Community, your hometown, Granger, Indiana. Well, not your hometown, but where you live now. Mm-hmm. And in a number one, Mishawaka. The Princess City.
0: Mm-hmm. We love you, Princess City maniacs. Let's hit on sports. Big night for the NFL draft. I could not believe the crowd shots
2: I saw in downtown Nashville. Wasn't that amazing? Just insane amount of people. I mean, all credit really to ESPN for being the visionary on this. It was back in, I think, 1980 where ESPN approached the NFL and they said, we want to televise the NFL draft. And Pete Rosell looked at them like they were one-eyed, one-horned, flying, flying purple people because he said, you want to do what? Oh, we think, we think this will – and, of course, at that time it was just executives sitting in a room with some placards in front of them uh, making the choices and the commissioner announcing the choices and things like that. Kind of like a
0: high-end card game. Yeah. All
2: right, we'll take this guy and we'll trade you this and – And now it has turned into this spectacle. Yes. It really is a spectacle now. And Nashville hosting it outdoors. And people, even in the rain, standing out in the middle of the street. Yeah, Broadway, the busiest street in Nashville. All of the music bars, all
0: of the stores. Bridgestone Arena at the top of the deal. Down at the bottom, the big park and the new uh, outdoor shed that they use. Standing room only, giant LED video screens, uh, just, just so many
2: people. And then my eldest sends me the tweet last night. I'll tell you who's not happy about the NFL draft in Nashville, people who planned their bachelorette parties with no idea this was happening.
0: <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Now, tonight won't be probably anything like last no, night. no. But it'll probably still have some electricity. The to it. first
2: night of the NFL draft for football fans is like Christmas in April. I mean, you really have, maybe you've gone to your college's spring game, mm-hmm. but you really haven't had any football since the Super Bowl. And now you have all of these stars coming out and these college stars in their brand new suits. Uh, some of them trying to body bump with the commissioner, which was not pretty. Um, but it it's really a, a celebration of the sport of football and the opportunity that it presents for these 32 young men. So Kyler Murray from Oklahoma, the Heisman Trophy winner, um, as everybody expected, goes number one to the Arizona Cardinals and makes history by doing so because he becomes the first player Ever to be drafted in the first round of both the Major League Baseball and the National Football League drafts. Can you imagine the insane amount of athletic talent that it requires to have that happen? Last time we had a player like that, do I do I say Bo Jackson? Bo Jackson would be in that neighborhood. I mean Jeff Samarja would be in that neighborhood, although I think Bo Jackson is a is a a better comparison. Dion? Dion. Dion, yeah. Dion would although um and, and obviously Dion wound up starring in the major leagues in both. But uh it it does not happen all that often. That that's an insanely good athlete right there. Uh the draft continues. Uh the Raiders. The Oakland Raiders. I John Gruden. You wonderful Clay High School quarterback and graduate. God bless you. First of all, as a Bear fan, God bless you for giving up on Khalil Mack because the Bears are more than happy to have him. As are the fans. And so the Raiders last year decided, we don't need Khalil Mack as an edge pass rusher. We'll send him to the Bears for a bowl of soup or whatever it was. And so what do they do? They go out and they draft an edge pass rusher. But do they draft Josh Allen from Kentucky, who everybody seems to think was the best edge pass rusher out there? Oh, no. No, they they don't do that. Instead, the Raiders choose Clemson's Clellan Farrell. And... Well, most people agreed that he was a first-round talent. Most people had him going, like, maybe 26th, 27th. Not as the fourth pick of the draft. Didn't Gruden get rid of all of his uh, recruit people, like, a week ago? Well, he sent his scouts home a week ago, but upon further review, I found that that's not all that unusual. Okay. That the scouts usually... This isn't like the Major League Baseball draft. The scouts usually aren't in the draft room with the GM and the coach and maybe a couple of others. They've had their input. Okay, we've taken your input.
0: Now skedaddle.
2: Now skedaddle. So that was the first head scratcher of the night. Okay. But who would come in to save the day to make the Raiders not look like the dumbest team? But the New York football giants. Okay. The New York football giants, it has been speculated for the past three years they're going to have to find somebody to eventually replace Eli Manning. And they didn't draft a quarterback two years ago. And they didn't draft a quarterback last year. So now you come to the draft. And everybody thought, there sits Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. He's mobile. He's agile. He's got a great arm. He set all kinds of Big Ten passing records. There he is. He's right there for the taking with the number six pick of the draft. And so the commissioner says, with the six pick of the NFL draft, the New York Giants select quarterback, and everybody's thinking, okay, here it is, Daniel Jones from Duke. Oh, who? (laughs) Daniel Jones from Duke. Now, I will give you that a couple of years ago when Duke came to Notre Dame Stadium, this kid picked apart a Brian Van Gorder defense.
1: Because everybody picks apart a Brian Van Gorder defense!
2: (laughs) Which caused me to tweet out last night, if the Giants play Bowling Green next year, they should feel feel really good about it pause button
0: my wife and i were on our 10-year anniversary trip to san diego and the whole weekend we were out there the headline was eli does not want to come to san diego right do you remember that yeah and he called in dad and whomever else to get him with the giants yes so it's funny hearing okay now we got to figure out what to do when this guy finally steps aside which reminds me
2: that i'm getting older that was 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So Daniel Jones from Duke and I guess Scott Van Pelt went off last night on ESPN. He goes, I remember watching Duke's final game of the regular season. You know, the one where they lost to Wake Forest 59 to seven? And I never at any point in watching that game sat there and I thought, there. There is the second quarterback of the NFL draft playing for the team with seven points. (laughs) But that's where the New York football giants went. So there were some hit scratchers last night. Uh, Let's keep on going down the draft. Number 10, Devin Bush, linebacker to the Steelers. Makes perfect sense. Steelers' defense has not been the same since they lost Ryan Shazier to that... Terrible, paralyzing injury. Shazier's comeback continues to be an inspiration, but they need a linebacker. Devin Bush fills the bill. Packers take Rashawn Gary at number 12. You know, and I'm not saying this because Rashawn Gary goes to Michigan. I just always heard a lot of hype about Rashawn Gary at Michigan, and I never saw that much production out of him. I so if he doesn't produce with the Packers, it's not going to break my heart as a Bears fan. But I will say it's it's a little bit befuddling. You look at him, you, he looks like a primetime talent. He does all the things you would expect in a combine. But get him on the field in a game, I'm just not sure that he's the guy. So we'll we'll see how that one shakes out. If you're an Irish fan, where did
0: uh, any Notre Dame players
2: land? Jerry Tillery, he goes with the 28th pick to the Los Angeles Chargers. He might start right away there, Corey, because turns out the Chargers lost four defensive linemen to free agency in the offseason. So they're hurting for certain on the interior. And there's Tillery, uh, who at times looked brilliant last year. The only question mark I would have on Jerry Tillery is the consistency of effort. I I think there are times where his effort leaves a little bit to be desired. But we'll see because now he's getting paid. And that can be a tremendous motivator. (laughs) Someday we'll find out. Um, And then there's the curious case of the Indianapolis Colts. And I feel for my brethren who are Colts fans today. Because you endure this long national nightmare that is the NFL draft. Because it is such a spectacle now, and it just drags out and drags out. And each team has, what, 10 minutes to make a pick. I was going to say, the eighth pick
0: should have been in the first half
2: hour in normal people world. And it's not. (laughs) And it's not. So they've got the 26th pick. And it's after 11 o'clock at night. You have sat there for three hours as a Colts fan. And now you are waiting for your team to make its pick. And five minutes into the 10 minute time period, they announce the Indianapolis Colts have traded their selection to Washington. Thanks for staying up late. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Good night. Now, the good news for the Colts is they have three second-round picks tonight. I have the feeling their first one is going to be A.J. Brown, a receiver out of Ole Miss. Uh, they are The Colts, I believe, are the second pick of the second round, so you're not going to have to wait that long tonight. Second round starts at 7 o'clock. By 7.15, you'll probably have a pretty good idea who the Colts are taking as their first pick of this draft. Now, if you're a Bears fan, you got to wait. Deep into the third round. Woo. Pick number eighty seven. Don't be surprised if the Bears take a running back with that selection, although they could also look for a, a corner or a safety. Would that um,
0: even happen tonight? Or is yeah, that that'll Saturday?
2: happen tonight, but that'll be that'll be uh what I what I call forty six game of the week time. Oh, Probably sometime wow. around eleven o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. Right. But that's that's a look at the NFL draft.
0: Let's talk about Phil Jensen changing his address. A couple of W changes. Warsaw to Witko.
2: Yeah. Uh, boy, this is a, a a big surprise, at least to me. I thought Phil Jensen was pretty much done with coaching. He had, um, he had a nasty fall a couple of years ago and suffered a pretty good head injury. And there was a lot of question as to whether he was going to survive that. And he fought through it. And he came back to coaching at Warsaw, but his kids had graduated um he he had kind of seemed to have moved on in his life and basically kind of like you know i'm not uh I'm not into football as much anymore and so that's when Bart Curtis went down to Warsaw and Phil says I wasn't looking for work and it's kind of a God thing that I wound up at Whitco. And um I I was with I, I did a radio show last night uh with my friend Paul Condry from the Regional Radio Sports Network and Chris Giesman. Now Chris Giesman was the longtime coach at Penn who was Phil Jensen's coach. And I said, Did you know anything about this? He says, not a word. He goes, I hadn't heard one thing. He goes, I am shocked. So um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what Phil is able to do down at Whitco. He did have some success at Warsaw early on in his tenure there. That success seemed to wane somewhat during his later years, but maybe sitting out for a year or so uh, refuels the fire and, and helps him become a better coach. Let's blaze through the other balls, baseball, basketball, the hockey puck. John Lester makes a return to the Cubs' staff yesterday, uh, throws five innings, gives up one run, and didn't look too much of the worse for wear coming back from the hamstring injury. But the Cubs' offense continues to be inconsistent, and they lose to the Dodgers by a count of 2-1. to one. Of course, the Dodgers lead the National League West. They've got some pretty good pitchers themselves. But here's a stat for you, Corey. Here's a, you talk about head shakers. We talked about them in the NFL draft. Here's one from baseball. I'll give you the combination of Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and match that up against former Cub Tommy LaStella. Who has more home runs?
0: Oh, obviously LaStella. Believe it or not, it's Tommy
2: LaStella. He has seven home And the Brizzo combination has five. Hmm. You've got Bryant, Rizzo, and Schwarber, all three hitting below 200 right now. And that is a red flag as far as the Cubs are concerned. Oh, here's another stat, and I hate to be banging on your guy, okay? But Ben Zobrist, how many extra base hits does Ben Zobrist have this year? Oh, boy. He hasn't been playing a lot either. I don't know. Well, it's the second letter of his name. Oh, zero extra base hits for Ben Zobrist as we approach the end of April. So the Cubs, I don't know if pitchers have figured them out or it's a variety of issues. The aging of Zobrist, Bryant still coming back from that shoulder injury. Rizzo never seems to hit well in April. I don't know what's going on with that ball club offensively, but there are still some some holes that need to be plugged. Now, it's early. I yeah. understand. They're, they have not played one game against the Cardinals yet, so there's time. But if you are a Cub fan right now, you have a little bit of reason for concern. Uh, Tigers lost to Boston yesterday 7-3. They're up and down. They're... 500 seems like, I'd I tell you, if Ron Gardenhire finishes 500 with this team, I think most Tiger fans would be somewhat pleased with that. White Sox were idle yesterday. South Bend Cubs are home this weekend if you're looking for something to do, although it's going to kind of be chilly and, well, quite frankly, nasty uh, tomorrow. And Notre Dame baseball is home this weekend. They also have their strikeout ALS weekend as they take on North Carolina State, a team that has consistently been ranked in the top 20 this year. Hockey? Hockey, Boston and St. Louis both pick up series opening wins last night, and so they lead uh, the second round series 1-0. Of course, without the Blackhawks or the Red Wings in it, I'm not sure how much our audience really cares about hockey, and I can't say that I blame them. Uh, but tonight, uh, a couple of other second-round series will get underway.
0: Do we need to do a podcast within a podcast as we are about to go full-on nerd?
2: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's set the stage for this. Last night, uh, 6.15, I believe, the movie theater, a full house, 12-year-old Caleb Mann accompanies his father, to one of the great nerd alert, nerd alert uh, venues of this era. And that would be the movie theater to see Avengers Endgame, which we knew going in was going to be, much like Gilligan's Island, a three-hour cruise. (laughs) And so Mr. Corey Mann will now take the microphone and take it
0: Should we, because you can, fast forward and jump over this to other things, should I tell you what I really thought
2: about it, or should I remain spoiler-free? Well, I would say remain spoiler-free. Okay. However, you can share what you really thought about it. Okay. Let's give people the weekend, and then I would say— Maybe a week from today. I would say a week from today, Mm -hmm. because anybody who doesn't see it in the first week— I have the feeling really doesn't care all that much whether you spoil it or not. Okay. Right? Yes. And is Does that seem like an accurate thing to say? Yeah, because it's going to get out.
0: But over, over the weekend, hopefully well, people yeah. will keep their mouths shut, but, you know, come Monday and Tuesday, everyone's going to be talking about it at work and, and wherever else and, you know, good on you. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the storyline. The first five minutes picks up Where we left off with Infinity War. Infinity War, Thanos has all of the stones. He's got them in the Infinity Gauntlet glove, which you saw yesterday at work. Yes, yeah. He snaps his finger, and half of humanity is gone. So when the movie picks up, you're dealing with... Does he go Hawk Harrelson and say, he gone? (laughs) He does not, but but some people in the theater
2: may have said that. That would have added to the movie. He gone. All right. And and again, this character's name is Thanos. Thanos. Not Theranos, where Elizabeth Holmes worked. No. Okay. She will not be spending (laughs) jail time
0: with Thanos anytime soon. All right. So we're about 23 days past the snapping of the fingers. Everybody's upset. Uh, Tony Stark and another character are floating in space. What are we going to do? They find him, come back to Earth. And uh, figure out we got a way that we can go get this guy. We can we can figure out how to defeat him a second time around. This is in the first five minutes. They go do that, and they fail miserably mm. again. So um, two game su- win streak for su- Santa. Surprise! Then the movie jumps ahead five years later, Ooh. which mm, I did not see that coming. And then it becomes, the best way I can put it without spoiling anything, it becomes the Ocean's Eleven of superhero movies. Okay. Lots lots of celebs in this movie. The biggest actor-actress movie I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. In terms of name people. Everyone is in this movie. That's not giving away anything either, but everybody is in this movie. Share? Possibly. I think they had her in makeup as kind of a, a villain, she, but yeah. They, I, she didn't need makeup for yeah. that. Well, maybe she wasn't in the movie, but one of her biggest songs could have been a theme for the movie. Oh, I could I could see that. Do you see where I'm going there? hmm Are you fucking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, the formula of a blockbuster movie, in my humble opinion, is heart, humor, and action. If you nail those three, you're good to go. So... Humor in this movie times 3. Heart times 5. Wink wink nudge nudge. Action over the top times 10. It is a knockdown drag out. Here we go. Lots of action, lots of it. Now, of the 10 gauntlet fingers on the glove, I give it a 9.9. There's 9. 10? I thought there were only 5. Well, there's 5 stones. 6 stones, I'm sorry. Six Infinity, six Infinity stones, but there are 10 fingers. You know, on two hands.
2: Okay, I'm so it's go. not a Michael Jackson glove situation. No. It's... No, it's Now, did the gloves fit? Do the gloves fit Thanos? The glove does fit. So, this is not the OJ documentary.
0: No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> I give it a 9.9 9 out of 10 because, let's say someone like you who is disconnected from the past 10 years, 22 movies you are not going to get what's happening, which is kind of a bummer.
2: You've successfully barred me from the
0: movie. I don't want you to be barred. I want—I would like you to go, uh, you know, if TJ's like, Dad, you got to go see this with me, he would probably have to spend a majority of it going, here's why this is
2: happening. This is like Les Mis for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes! This is Diane going, okay, Jean Valjean. Except there's no now- intermission for her to coach me up. No,
0: no. You'd probably uh, you'd probably have to go take a pee break, and you'd probably Google a few things while you're out there.
2: See, and for you maniacs out there, I hope that it didn't take you 88 episodes to figure this out. <laughs> but this is the beauty of the show. This is advertised as, here's Chuck, he knows everything about sports. Yes. And Corey, I know nothing about sports. That's it. But <laughs> when we do these little flip segments here into pop culture, here's Corey. He knows everything about pop culture. Here's Chuck. He lives under a rock.
0: (laughs) He watches a lot of sports. I watch a
2: lot of sports. Mm -hmm.
0: So it's a a fun movie. It's a long movie. So, you know, drink accordingly pre... (laughs) We went to Five Guys at 5.15, and I had a small cherry Coke. Yeah? Small. I didn't get up and go to the bathroom. I... I was mentally and physically ready my son tapped out twice and you had warned him hadn't you yeah he he's a nervous young man he he really gets into it so he was a little okay he was a little uh rattled the second time he left because there was some stuff going on oh, okay. so I think it was a I almost think it was a mental break okay like he needed a breather
2: because there is a dude there is a lot going on in this movie well Okay, so let me ask this. Okay, he's twelve, mm-hmm. and he got a little rattled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but would you limit? You know, would you put an age limit on who should go see this movie? Yeah, because it's long. I
0: mean, the kids are going to start getting antsy, yeah. and they're going to, you know, movies are expensive. Last yeah. night it was twenty six dollars for two. For two of us, we went with we three. went three D. Okay. And we went, uh, and it was 26 bucks. You get a five, six, seven year old in there. Well, you've just thrown
2: away $13.
0: Yeah. And, um, and we're going again Sunday to the IMAX. We're going to take in the bigger one. But he was, Infinity War, I did get emotionally connected, and I got a little teary-eyed at the end because half of all the heroes are gone. And you're kind of like, oh, boy, what's going to happen? I did not shed a tear, but I did have some heartstrings pulled last night.
2: Now, uh, let, let's let go back to the expense of this expedition here. Okay. Okay, uh, $26 for tickets. Uh, did you get a popcorn or... No, a we vaccine? ate at
0: Five Guys. Okay, so you ate at Five
2: Guys. $19.21. Okay, so you ate at Five Guys mm-hmm. going in because, and, and I want to make this clear to the maniacs and the moviegoers, if you were to get a popcorn... Ah, uh, the nice thing is is they have home equity loan people sitting right outside the concession stand to help you get your thing because that's who that was, yeah, because these days, a popcorn is equivalent to a mortgage payment,
0: yeah, unless you go up to Wonderland, right. Oh, God is, bless the people at Wonderland,
2: which is brilliant. Now here there's in town. there's a theater that should be sponsoring this show. Mm-hmm. um yeah, they got a lot of my money, yeah. however, um, so let's back up. So you would say, uh, you know, 12's probably probably minimum age that should be going to this movie. In my opinion. Now, here here's the other problem I would have. Besides not knowing what the heck's going on right. in this movie. Okay. Uh, the theater you went to. Are these the recliner seats? Yes. Three hours? Yes. <laughs> you know what that is, kids. Mm-hmm. That's an invitation
0: for Uncle Chuck to fall asleep. And I would say... And I'm not adding dramatic effect. Eighty percent of the crowd in my theater had blankets. Well, it
2: does get... They, they keep crank it cl- that air. Oh, um, well, and you understand because you've got all these bodies in there, mm-hmm. but... I'm glad they understand that. But...
0: Yeah. Um, we, yeah. We specifically chose the time we went because that's when I'm literally most awake. Six to nine a.m., PM. six to nine p.m. Yeah. yeah Those two times. The rest of the time, good luck finding a coherent Corey.
2: Well, that's clear <laughs> clear on this show that we tape it after 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Professor
1: Chuck's sportscaster camp segment is brought to you by Beaver Island Casino. Head to Charlevoix, then get in the boat and go
0: north, and you'll run into an island called Beaver Island. Get off and, well, you made it. Another segment I love on Fridays is Sportscasters Camp. This is where Chuck is basically leaving a legacy for the next generation of the Keith Jacksons. Roe Nelly College Basketball. The the Bob Costases, the Jeff Jefferses, the Chuck Freebies that are coming up coming up the ranks. What do you have for us today
2: on Sportscasters Camp? We've had interviews on this show recently. We had Joe Hart on. We had Tony Natale on from Mm -hmm. Bethel. We hope to have many more interviews during the summer. When we do these interviews, I try to make it a point of asking brief and simple questions so that you, the listener, can hear more of the guest and less of us. And I think that's a, a simple thing to bring in. Yes, there are times when you're interviewing somebody where you have to set it up. But typically, you're better off letting the guest tell the story or bringing it out from the guest Mm -hmm. and asking short, simple questions and trying not to interrupt the guest. Now, there are times where you have to interrupt. A guest might start rambling or getting off topic, or they say something that sparks a follow-up question. But basically, an interview is about the guest. It's not about the host.
0: My toughest interview could very well be the next episode of What Else with Jason Gray. Because, A, he has a speech impediment. He's got a stutter. And just trying to remain focused Mm -hmm. while he's talking, not wanting to jump in and finish the sentence for him because I kind of know where he's going... And just staying on task that that was a tough interview. We'll edit it up and clean it up, make it sound great, but it was it was a challenge i'll say that
2: I understand that yeah I, I have a son who suffers from cerebral palsy, and sometimes he's very slow in his speech pattern or spitting out his message and sitting back and letting letting him have the courtesy of finishing his own thought yeah is difficult sometimes. That's certainly not the case for most of the people that we bring on the show, but I don't like when you have a 20-second or a 25-second question to somebody. The question should not be longer than the answer that you're getting.
0: Less is more on your end of the microphone. I believe so. Now, you host an interview show. What are your thoughts? I heard exactly what you're talking about when you talked to Tony. I, I, I can I can remember sonically what you said to him and it was brief. I uh I'm hit and miss. But do you subscribe to that theory? If I'm paying attention, yes, and know where I'm going, yes. But if uh if I start rambling, I've not done my homework.
2: But that's the key to the whole operation. Yeah. You have to have done your homework. You mm-hmm. have to have prepared. If you've prepared, there's no reason to ask long questions. You can get by with short questions because you have a roadmap to where you're going. There's nothing worse than when the
0: record label guy who was with Jason that day doesn't hand me a bio, like an update of what's been going on. But luckily, because we're friends and I follow him on social media, I know that the, you know the, the, one of the twins has leukemia and uh, he's got a new fiance. And so I know some parameters of where we can go. But if you got nothing, like uh, I was telling you, the, the Cubs guys had Nick Offerman on, and you could tell the bio sheet was put in front of them the moment they started right. talking. So, trying to call a game and
2: glimp taking a glimpse of, I put that on the Cubs marketing department or whoever handles those yeah. special guests, because quite frankly, that information should be disseminated to the announcers beforehand yeah
0: he didn't really have anything to promote either so they could have actually said no right they could have said "Ah," or give me another inning because he was going to sing the seventh inning stretch this was inning number five give me a second and a commercial to kind of glance at and go oh you're at the chicago theater coming up in september right or you know whatever or know the fact that he and his family are huge cubs fans so just talk cubs right
2: yeah but yeah that's that's tough when, and I realize okay, this isn't unusual. The they have the seventh inning stretch every game, and more often than not, it's a celebrity that gets brought into the booth and everything. But yeah. let me see the information before you bring the person in.
0: Yeah,
2: that that would be akin to bringing the guest for the eight o'clock hour in at 7:50, while i'm doing my sports cast and sitting them in the chair behind me I, I wish we could show them an
0: example of that visually on your 46 sports uh page from thursday of this week to really help them understand too bad that's probably not somewhere they could go right now and look at that video exactly and see what you're talking about <laughs> the year was 1988 this is episode 88, so we've been featuring songs from those particular years. This is a very heartfelt year for me. My first year in Top 40 radio, my very first song at 3 o'clock in the morning on a Friday night, Saturday morning was Ritual by the Dan Reed Network. An wow. Ob- an obscure hit, but one that I chose personally <laughs> yeah. because I wanted to remember what the song was going to be on days like these. Okay, But 88 was a huge... I all of the songs I looked at, it's like, yeah, I could play all of these. But I do have one.
2: I would like to hear your one.
0: You want to hear it? Yes. I I bet you I bet you you can't guess it in three guesses.
2: Oof. From nineteen eighty eight. From nineteen eighty eight. Mm-hmm. In three guesses. And you know me pretty well musically, Oof. so. Yeah. Let's see.
0: Well, I I will give you, if for everyone you get wrong, I will give you a clue to what
2: it is. Okay. I will start with um, Aerosmith Angel.
0: Great song. Comeback record from Permanent Vacation. You are incorrect. This is a one-hit wonder song.
2: One-hit wonder song. Oh, boy. I will go with Terrence Trent Darby, Wishing Well. Great song from
0: the... Uh, what was that? The The World according to Terrence Trent? That was his first record. Wishing Well was on there. Sign Your Name was on there. That is also incorrect. He does not perform this song live in concert anymore due to his
2: hatred for it. Oh, I think you have told me about this before. I believe is this Rick Astley never gonna give you up? Your third and final answer. A great song. No, he he
0: will hang his hat on never going to give you up. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. another clue: a video, huge video in 1988. Oh, Bobby McFerrin.
2: Don't worry, be happy.
0: Featuring one Robin Williams. I think this is the first time I remember hearing. Wait a minute, this is all the same guy. Doing all the...
2: How much did you hate this song? I didn't hate it, but it didn't... I mean, to me, this encapsulates the fact that we have gone from 1980
0: to 87.
2: With great music. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly in 1988, we seem to drop into an abyss. (laughs) Because as I came up with my song for 1988, my song is because at this time I was starting to date the lovely and talented Diane Freeby. I remember seeing her around the
0: old office.
2: And uh, for whatever reason... We both seem to enjoy, well, I knew she was a Phil Collins Genesis fan. Okay. And Phil Collins started to kind of strike out on his own here in the 80s. And uh, we seem to enjoy walking around the lakes at Notre Dame, uh, kind of reciting to each other the lyrics from Phil Collins' groovy kind of love. Well. All I have to do is take a look at you, Diane Freeby. Then I'm not so blue.
0: You ready for a fun fact? Never revealed between you and I. Okay, this is our wedding song.
2: Congratulations, mm-hmm. it's a good choice. Wouldn't you agree, baby? Baby, you, you and, and me. me.
0: Couldn't now, decide on it, and I said, and I said I, I presented this song to Debbie, and I'm like, this kind of sums it up. It sums it up.
2: I will give an honorable mention to another song in 1988. Okay. That just makes me laugh out loud every time I think of this. Oh my goodness. Booth one in the WNDU editing room was the sports booth. Okay. It was typically a disaster because of the I'll be honest, slovenly habits of one Jeff Jeffers. Slovenly habits! Uh, But we would frequently record things in there. Uh, Sometimes the boys in the edit room, instead of having the Cubs game on, would put on MTV or VH1 so that they could have some music to edit by because they didn't have a way of, of hearing the radio stations or anything else in the building because... Why would you want to be able to hear your company's own radio station in your building? Seems to be a common theme of places I've worked. Nevertheless, so MTV happened to have on one day the video for New Sensation by the band In Excess. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the title most people gave that band, In Excess. One Jack Nolan, currently the voice of Nerdane Men's Basketball, came back one day. As the video was playing, you would see the letters I N X S Mm -hmm. appear on the screen during the video. And he says, Oh, is that that Inks Band?
0: The Inks Band! Good good morning, everybody. We got a new sensation. We're waking up. It's the Inks Band. Your first listen. Oh, great song. It is. Good song. Actually, that whole record's great. Now. The Inks Band. So. I wonder if if he was a fan of the Benjelis.
2: This became (laughs) the inside joke. If you remember, if you were a viewer of WNDU sports back in the late 80s and early 90s, during both the 6 o'clock and the 10 o'clock, sports would run in the middle of the newscast, not at the end. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of sports, we would take a break. And in the middle of that commercial break, there would be a little graphic that would come up called the sports note. And we would put in something that we really didn't have supporting video for or something that we just wanted to make a quick mention of. Invariably, whenever we could, (coughs) we would put in a contract signing. Do you know why? No. Because, let's say Mark Grace... Mark Grace of the Cubs inks a three year contract worth in excess of $10 million. Oh. And that was the running inside joke in the sports note. So if you wondered back then, why do they always do these contract signings? It? it was purely for the entertainment of the sports department. This
0: was a fun one from '88. David Lee Roth out on his own. This is very windows down summertime.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh got got the the so right.
2: ah, yeah. But I think '88, you started to see a transition from what we would traditionally call '80s rock mm-hmm. to kind of what we experienced in the '90s. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You had, you had a couple of rock bands that would kind of sneak in on the top 40 chart. Living Color, Cult, Personality was a huge song. A couple of Van Halen songs, Aerosmith, Angel, Dude Looks Like a Lady, uh, Ragdoll was a big one. Um, actually, that song by David Lee Roth was pretty big. Yeah. Some would call R.E.M. a rock band. You know, they were kind of oh, yeah. segueing into more of a mainstream with... Uh, no, they were definitely... Gosh, what was, Orange Crush was that a uh, bad medicine? Bon Jovi was a big rock song. u uh, two, Desire, uh, Angel of Harlem. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, can I do my most hated song of 1988? Please do. Oh, when this came up on the old playlist, it was all I could do to. Man, I remember one time uh, a PD almost kicking down the door saying you never, ever make fun of the music you're playing. It was all I could do. Oh, Tracy Chapman, best car? To not just vomit on the air.
2: Really? Oh, You didn't like this. Oh,
0: take this Sharpie and shove it up my left nostril until it hits my brain stem.
2: Well, maybe it would correct you then because this isn't bad.
0: Oh, Yeah, you're right. It isn't bad. It's horrible.
2: It's good and horrible. You know who was good and horrible? You know who's not? This is no Randy Watson. You know who was good and horrible in 1988?
0: (laughs) Harold Baines! Oh, this song is so... When it's sandwiched between Def Leppard, Armageddon, it...
2: Okay, I'll, I'll grant you it's tough to fit it into a programmer's playlist, oh, but that's not a bad song. And welcome to the jungle,
0: 1988 Guns N' Roses, and then. That's right up there with Luca, Suzanne Baker. Oh, Bega. Well, that's <laughs> a bad song. That's a bad song. <laughs> Woo! All right. We're almost at an hour.
2: We've covered too much ground today.
0: We were. I, I think I remember saying, yeah, it'll be a
2: short little episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. You and I are chatty cats, just straight chatty cats. Man, man, Pulling our man, own man, string. Man, man. Have a point. <sighs> I'll just say, until next time, sports fan. Booga
1: This is the Sports Yet Podcast. The following has been brought to you by Rabbit Wigs and the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You've been listening to Sports Yak, all sports information. All that you've just been heard has been copywritten. Don't steal any of this stuff. This is Jimmy Shorts. That's good.
2: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger